1: Good morning and welcome to Red Sea Roundup. I am the host of the day. My name is Pam Marvin and thank you for joining me on this beautiful March 30th. We're sitting high atop the College (laughs) Station. um, Not College Station. Colli- St. Mary's
2: Catholic Center yes, in College Station. Yes, I'm already <laughs> tripping over my words.
1: But I wanted to do a big happy birthday to my second daughter, hey. Mary Marvin Hall. It's her birthday today, so it's a, a joyous day in the Marvin family and Hall family. So,
2: Thanks be to God.
1: Yeah. How are you doing this morning, Dennis?
2: Doing very well. Very good, well. Good. Uh, so we uh, had a nice uh, breeze come in through the rain and, and everything uh, yesterday, so it's going to be a very beautiful day. Very yeah, well, we had some that.
1: great storms this morning.
2: Woo. Yeah, it was nice. Good to get some rain. We have one blue bonnet in our front yard. It's so awesome. <laughs> so we, we've we transplanted it from my dad and mom's place last year, right. and it came back, and we're very excited about that.
1: Right. Well, we have someone on the phone this morning with yeah. us. Joining us now is John Pichotta from the Waco Area Pro-Life Movement. Good morning, John.
3: Hello, Pam. Good to be with you. Hello, Dennis.
2: Hey, John. Hey, I wanted to tell our listeners that, uh, on this first part of the Red Sea Roundup Show, quite often we like to highlight and focus uh, things that are going on locally in our listening areas. And occasionally we get the pleasure of talking to Mr. John Pachata, who I've admired for, gosh, I guess, I guess a couple of decades, even though I've only known you personally for the last five or six years. Um, you know, I've just admired your work with Pro Life Waco and all the. The, the guts that you've shown in the Waco area and the leadership you've shown in the pro-life movement, which has really impacted our entire world. So John, you know, I'm just so happy that you could be a part of this, this part of the show. And so we want to focus on what you've got going on. So Pam, I'm going to let you, okay. I'm going to step out of the way. Well, th-
3: thank you, Dennis. And and I appreciate the collaboration and support that uh, uh, pro-life Waco has had uh, from Red Sea Radio and your wonderful KYAR there yeah, go.
2: thanks be to God. So uh,
3: it's something that we have just about every second Sunday of the month. We call it Second Sunday Ecumenical Pro-Life Gathering. Mm. And we have that at St. Mary's Parish Hall. And uh, there's two hours of this event. And the one hour is spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> uh, cooked by Chef Giovanni from his mother's recipes. Wow. And uh, so we have that time of fun and fellowship and eating. And then we have a program hour from one to two. And uh, we uh, typically have, uh, in addition to the local updates, uh, we have a speaker that would be of interest to uh, people in your listening area. And I am just so delighted that our speaker on April the 10th, is Myra Rodriguez. Oh, tell I us more about Myra. Your, yeah. The, uh, oh, she's a, uh, really a, having a huge impact uh, at, with her life and her conversion. I think a, a lot of people, not not all, I have heard of Myra, but uh, Myra's from Phoenix, Arizona. And she's
2: Okay. Okay, you're there. John, you dropped out for just a second. Try that again. You said something about Myra. Okay. She's from... She's, uh, yeah,
3: she's from Phoenix, and she worked for Planned Parenthood for 17 years. Wow. And uh, she, she's an immigrant from Mexico, and uh, so if anyone wants to come and speak a little Spanish to Myra, I'm mm-hmm. sure she can handle it. Um, but she actually managed two abortion centers, so one in Phoenix and one In Flagstaff, and uh, like so many people, uh, as they start to reflect about their roots, uh, their religious background, and what they're doing, um, uh, they rethink it. Mm. And uh, and Myra converted just in the last two or three years, left Planned Parenthood, actually filed a lawsuit against Planned Parenthood for uh, wrongful termination, and won the lawsuit. Wow! But uh, she's out, you know, and she and she knows Planned Parenthood just like Abby Johnson. Mm-hmm. You you know it from the inside, like few people know it mm-hmm. when when you work there, and uh, she could see a lot of things that were troubling to her uh, as as an employee there, and uh, so now she's uh, sharing her story and, okay. and not just in Texas or the United States, but really she's, she's gone to, uh, to, uh, the, throughout the Western hemisphere, uh, hemisphere. She's been, um, uh, uh, invited to, to talk about Planned Parenthood, which goes by different names, uh, in, uh, in different countries. Mm. But, uh, so, you know, like there, there's such a people that involved in, in pro-life, such a broad range of background and experiences, that they have and say so we all bring something to the table and uh and uh, Myra uh, is uh, uh she has her background and uh very engaging person i've just been enjoying talking to her on the telephone and and emailing to to plan this day which is not all that far far off and uh, so i i just really want to invite everyone to maybe go to an early mass and mm-hmm. come to, come to Waco or, and, uh, and uh, you can come anytime during the noon hour. That's a buffet style. So you don't need to be there at noon for the event. And then uh, Myra, you know, will be on in that uh, one to two o'clock hour and uh, telling her story and having times to time to uh, take some questions. And she, and she'll, of course, hang on to visit uh, visit with people. So, um, you know, we have a lot of speakers, and I'm just so excited uh, to have Myra yes. uh, with us uh, for, uh, for April 2nd, Sunday.
1: Okay, and tell us the location one more time.
3: Okay, it's uh, St. Mary's Parish Hall, which is next to St. Mary's Church. So you put St. Mary's Church in your GPS, uh, that ad- physical address is 1424 Columbus Avenue. And uh, that's Waco. Uh, right- we'll all listeners know Waco, yes. That's Waco. Yeah, there's a lot of St. Mary's <laughs> yeah, churches. there are. do <laughs> right. go to West for this one. Okay. Uh, it's, it's right at, you know, that's in downtown Waco it's at the corner of uh, 15th Street and Columbus. You'll okay. see the billboard truck, you'll see signs oh, around nice. there. And uh, you, you, you won't, won't be able uh, to miss it. And I, I, I think you'll really be glad you did it if you come and join us. Right. You know, John, on, the, on,
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you, but one thing on, that really on. strikes me so awesome that you're doing is it's ecumenical. It's like anyone can come because, you know, we are a people it, of it life. Is. And so it does not matter your background that we can all oh, come yeah. meet together around this common cause.
3: You know, I, I think that's a success story in Waco. Mm. is that Catholics and Protestants work together mm. arm in arm in, in the battle. And, uh, and you, know, uh, you know, you have a care net, which is somewhat led by people who are Protestants and, mm-hmm. and Catholics are involved and working and welcomed. And so uh, we can stand on common ground in fighting, challenging mm-hmm. this abomination that is, uh, that is still in our city we Waco is there are eight cities in Texas that have abortion centers. Mm. And sadly, Waco is one.
1: I'm so sorry.
3: Uh, right. one of those, and we hope that the time will come soon when when we we are not on that list.
1: right. Well, we'll be praying for that, John. We'll be praying for the success oh, of yes. you
3: Myra's
2: prayers. talk.
1: Yeah.
3: Yes, yes. and uh,
2: so once again, yeah, John, so that's... that's at St. Mary's second Yes, Saturday
3: well it's a, no it's a
2: sunday second it's, sunday in april so specifically that day is the 10th april 10th mm-hmm. So april 10th a, at saint mary's yeah. in waco and i imagine you don't have to be from the central texas area or no or catholic to even come so we hope oh, that absolutely. you have a great no. No, great attendance I mean,
3: is, uh, and we have we have many many people who are not catholics who will be walking in that door
2: well thank and, you john
3: uh, and and so uh yeah so that that's that's what will be happening. And keep in mind that, no, we won't have a Second Sunday event in May because uh, uh, Second Sunday is Mother's Day. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this, this, this happens um, uh, otherwise. And, and if okay. you're interested in what's going on in Waco and the schedule of events, if you go to our website, which is ProLifeWaco.com, okay. right on the home page. Thank hey, you, John. You'll see a schedule. Yes, thank hey, you this, so
1: much. We really appreciate you joining us.
3: We're doing. Uh, we've got something going every week.
2: Awesome. <laughs> and, well, we're going to have you on for a much longer form interview here in the near future. I'm going to talk to all our radio hosts, and we can get all the great things that y'all are doing there in the Central Texas area. So, thanks again, John, for the call in.
3: Okay, that's uh, great to be with you. Really appreciate it. God blessings uh, on you on, on all you do. Thank right.
2: you, John. God bless you. Bye bye. Take
1: Bye-bye. care. Okay. Well, also joining us in the studio this morning is is Thaddeus (laughs) Romanski. He snuck in here. He has a little few things to talk to us about this morning, and we're excited to hear more about what he has to say. What's
0: going on, Pam? Hello. What's going on, Dennis? Dr. Romanski, how's it going? Doing great.
1: Awesome. How's that beautiful family of yours? The growing, budding, amazing, awesome pro-life family of yours.
0: Nice transition, Pam. <laughs> ah, you like that? We're doing well. Thank you.
1: Good. Yeah, I remember as a young mom, um, you know, I was had three kids at the time, and there was nothing I felt like I could do to get out, you know, and be in front of Planned Parenthood. But the one thing it said is, well, if you want to do something pro-life, have a lot of children. I'm like, okay, that's that's my goal. <laughs> I wouldn't say I had a lot, but I gave as many as God would give me.
2: <laughs> but, we think you did great.
1: Aw, well,
2: well, we've got some great things coming up with uh, – our Red Sea Apostolate, besides Catholic Radio. Thaddeus, Mm. we've got a big kickoff event coming up here in our local area on April 23rd. you want to share what that's about? Yeah, so Victory Sports,
0: our Catholic Youth Sports Initiative, we are having our first event at St. Anthony's Church in Bryan on Saturday, April 23rd. It's going to be a volleyball clinic for girls age 6 to 12. Registration is going to be $25.00 you would go to victoryyouthsports.org to register for that event. Now, we are having some last-minute bugs with the registration form, so don't go there quite yet. Give us just a few minutes. Give us just a a little bit to get those worked out. But we have a great website at victoryyouthsports.org where you can go to sign up to be a volunteer or get information about possibly being a coach for our leagues going forward in the fall, our mm-hmm. volleyball and flag football leagues for boys and girls, or girls and boys, respectively, uh, in the fall. Where you can sign up to be on our newsletter list to get information and updates about uh, events beyond the April 23rd volleyball clinic. We're planning to have a basketball clinic in May and a flag football clinic in uh the spring as well mm-hmm. before we move into the league play in the fall now those are going to be parish based teams that's what uh, is going to set us apart from maybe uh central sports that some of our Brazos Valley listeners are familiar with where everyone is in a you know mm-hmm. a big pool and then they divvy up and make teams that are basically roughly um similar skill level we are we are basing our teams and our concept around the parish because We want to reinvigorate and enliven parish life. We see the parish as the center of evangelization and discipleship. So we want to build things around around the parish. We want loyalty to the parish. But to get things going, we're having these skills-based small clinics. Now, April 23rd also, again, April 23rd, from 1.30 to 4 at St. Anthony's and Bryan Volleyball Clinic for girls aged 6 to 12. When that clinic finishes, we're inviting, encouraging families. Even if you didn't come to the clinic, come back, go, come to Mass at 5 p.m. at St. Anthony's, and then we're going to have a kickoff event that evening with live music, food, mm-hmm. wow. and just hangout time fancy. at St. Anthony's. Okay.
2: So, fancy, yeah. fancy much to learn about for victory sports much to learn about so a, cool. f- for our faith uh, a lot of skills that you can learn um there's going to be limited participation that we're going to be able to cut have to you know limit it so once we open that registration site uh folks tell your tell your friends tell your family members to uh sign up because this is going to be a very unique and very exciting event and kickoff day for our program awesome yeah so we've got Dr. Stephen Braden on for the second part. Do you want to introduce that oh, real yes. quick?
1: Yes, yes. Um, Dr. Stephen Braden, who is a local physician and a, let's say, a multiple missionary trips, has a reflection book on some of the things the Holy Spirit has taught him. And we'll be listening to some of those stories right after the break. So stay tuned for Dr. Stephen Braden. Well, welcome back to uh, the second edition or the second half of Red Sea Roundup. I am your host, Pam Marvin, and today I am very um, overjoyed. I'm overjoyed to have in the studio with me, Dr. Steve Brayden. Welcome.
4: Thank you. I'm honored to be here again. I'm
1: so glad you are. Yes. um, I recall fondly our time together when you were recounting some of your stories about Mission Trip. I was always so fascinated and we'll get to more of it here in just right. a second, but right. it's culminated in a book.
4: Yes, this is uh, this has been an interesting year getting this thing uh, finally out on on the market, and it's uh, been a challenge and a, a growth experience for me, and I hope for uh, everybody that gets to read it.
1: Yes, well, let's give our listeners a little um, background, shall we? Uh, Stephen Braden is from Central Texas originally. Right.
4: Grew up in San Marcos.
1: Okay. And you were one of 10 children, Catholic family. Oh, yes. 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 Which I thought was so, so very fascinating. And that you're married to your lovely wife, Michelle.
4: 47 years now. Uh, congratulations. Seems like a long time now (laughs) to say that out loud. (laughs)
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, another thing that I I really love about you is that you guys are a duo. You and Michelle are such a dynamic duo. I've known you since my 26-year-old was two. Right. Right. Right? And. Most of y'all's adult lives together has been involved in mis- in ministry, which I did not know right. that until I started doing some pre-interview with you, right. which I thought was really fascinating that even in high school.
4: Right. We, we actually met in junior high, but we didn't start anything I would call ministry until high school. The uh, uh, charismatic renewal of the church back in the 70s was a big part of both of our lives. At the time, she was Baptist and I was Catholic, but we both entered into the... Sort of a charismatic renewal in a, in a interdenominational group at our high school. Uh, started a Christian coffee house in downtown San Marcos and did that for several years. Mm-hmm. Got married while we were in college. Um, went off to medical school and uh, residency programs, and, and and it was during that time we actually got involved with the Marriage Encounter. To, and, uh, Michelle at this time had converted. Uh, we were in leadership in Marriage Encounter for several years, and that that really solidified our our vision of what it is to be the sacrament of matrimony. You know, wow. it, it wasn't just that we got married for the two of us, but it is a sacrament for the church. It is, um, you know, it gave us a better vision than we'd ever had before as young, very very young people. We got married.
1: What great uh, marriage prep! I mean, yes, there wasn't a whole lot of marriage prep, like even uh, our, back when yeah. I got married in the '80s. Right, know,
4: our, our pre-marriage was? prep was almost non-existent. I think we had one meeting with the priest before the, before the actual wedding. But that, uh, that marriage encounter experience really solidified who we are and what we've been doing ever since then for the last 40 plus years.
1: Because if I'm not mistaken, you've gone on to lead even local ones, which y'all still meet today. Yes. Yes.
4: We still have our small group marriage encounter group that's been meeting together. Like I said, we uh, once or twice a month get together and just share our stories with each other and encourage each other. And that's been a, a tremendous part of our ministry here locally. Um, various other things have come along right. through the years, you know, with other kinds of opportunities. We raised four children, and that was a huge ministry in and of itself. Yes, it is. And now we're reaping the the graces of that with six grandchildren. So awesome. it was, all the all the work was worth it now. <laughs> uh, Amazing. Grandchildren are the reward of raising those four first
1: four kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always loved it because I was always just a few years behind you guys. And so Michelle was always a great example to me as a mother. She right. was uh, my daughter's kindergarten teacher exactly. and Thomas's preschool teacher. Yes. And uh, she was always such a beautiful example to me right. and very thankful for that witness that she is today still. yes, yes pretty awesome. Yes. Okay, so you are still currently practicing medicine. I am. It's winding down a little bit.
4: Winding down and it's seeming quicker and quicker. I've actually set a date for retirement this summer, so I'm looking forward to that with mixed emotions, but other things are on the horizon, more things to do.
1: It it will be bittersweet, no doubt. Yes. And for me, especially since his office is right across from mine. So, yeah. Well, um, that leads me to Which way do you want to start first, the beginning of missions or why the book? Because I kind of had those two. I was like, you know, which one do you want to come first? Let's talk about missions because the missions actually led to the book. Right. Okay, let's do that.
4: Um, Like I said, when we were involved with Marriage Encounter back in the 80s, uh, we got to know Father Tom Chamberlain very well. He was one of our co-leaders during those several years. And he was the one who decided he was called to the mission field and would receive permission from the bishop to go down to Arteaga, Mexico and take on a parish there that needed a a priest. And so while he was there, he kept inviting me very gently and nudgingly and nudgingly to come down and, and spend some time with him and maybe do a little medical mission work there at his parish. So finally in 1990, I, uh, gave in and, and it was, it was a tremendous year for me. It was, it was traumatic in, in the sense that that in that year in April, my brother died. He was also a family practice doctor, my older brother who had encouraged me to go into medicine in the first place. Um, shortly after he died, I went on a Curcio retreat, mm. um, just about a month after that. And it was at that time that I was feeling more of a call to maybe do more with my medical, uh, talents, um, in, in the sense of a mission. Father Tom followed right on the heels of that retreat and said, hey, why don't you come with me to Arteaga? Uh, see what
1: God did there? <laughs> yes,
4: yes, I do. I do see it now. Uh, so I made that first trip to Arteaga with Father Tom and spent a week there with him, uh, learning just the ropes of the, his community and, and how he practiced. And what uh, he had like 50 little, uh, what they called, uh, Ranchitos around his, mm-hmm. his parish that uh, he took care of. We'd go out and travel and say mass, move from you know place to place to place all day, and so I got to go with him on those trips. And just uh, at the end of mass, he would say, "Hey, by the way, I have a, a doctor here with me. If anybody wants a quick checkup before mm-hmm. we leave," and so I would see five or six people at each little church and. And one day He turned me loose and said, hey, I want you to go make some house calls. Here's a list. And sent oh me on my own to go out <laughs> and see some people. And that, that got my toes wet. I, I just wanted to dip my toes in, in the pool, but he, he kind of threw me in <laughs> by the end of the week. Uh, and then we went back after that with, with a team and said, okay, we're going to bring a whole team of, of professionals and come down and, and do a little bit more actual work and it grew and grew and grew from that to where, okay. to where we went once, if not twice a year. So this that, was in the early 90s, is that that, correct? It started in the early 90s, and, right. and it has continued since. And it's been a, a wonderful experience different places, different times. Uh, the Austin Diocese itself has formed a, a medical mission board, which I'm on the board still. And uh, we decide where we're going to go from year to year. But here locally, the St. Thomas Aquinas Church also has their own... Uh, autonomous medical mission group that's been going for years to Guatemala and we finally started
1: through Father Dean Wilhelm. Dean Wilhelm started that,
4: yes, probably 20 years ago. Uh, Initially, they were going to a little village that he knew of called Tamahu Mm -hmm. and we went there for 10 or 12 years and then moved on to San Cristobal. And then uh, a couple of years ago, we made our last trip to Guatemala. There was in a little town called Telemán. But you know, that that was the last trip we were able to do. It was the the two week two years ago this week um, when when COVID was really breaking out, and so we we were lucky to get there and get our work done, but got out just as all things broke shut loose. down, and yeah. they they shut down wow. the airport the day we left.
1: <laughs> wow. Uh,
4: to come home. So okay. It, so
1: would you say that you've been annually, or biannually, two to three times a year on mission uh, trips since so, the some, 90s? As,
4: as many as three times, but but wow. so, you know, it's been an occasional year we had to skip for one reason or another. But right. overall, I my count I think is somewhere between forty five and fifty. I don't I don't know.
1: It's, now, it's, do you depend? Do you kind of uh, plan on continuing doing mission would, even I after would, retirement? I
4: would love to. Yes, That's there, awesome. there there are a couple of places that are now endured in my heart, um, there's there's still opportunities that come up from time to time. Someone will say, "Hey, I heard you like missions. Why don't you come with us on so and so trip?" And okay, I have to <laughs> prayerfully discern every one of those decisions. And some some are very inviting and intriguing,
1: right? Well, you know, as you're saying that, um, it really strikes me that it's not just a medical mission, but it is kind of evangelistic in nature about a, ab, ab, bringing right. Jesus to the people that right. way, which is beautiful because usually they delineate, oh, is it a spiritual mission or is it a medical mission? But, yeah, you know, you're yeah, bringing it right. together. It's right. beautiful.
4: That That's very true. And that, that wasn't necessarily my understanding at the very beginning. It grew into that. There mm. were There were times when I felt a lot of frustration, from a medical standpoint, just purely medical thinking, gosh, these problems that people are facing are so big. The poverty is so overwhelming. The, the needs are so great. We, we can't possibly come in here and do any good. You know, the, 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 that you know, doesn't
1: sound like a right, true speaking right. right there. <laughs> and, and,
4: and so it, it, it finally, uh, after years of, of trying to pray about that very question, it, it came back to me, you know, even here in the United States, I don't necessarily cure people. I manage problems. You know, with people coming with diabetes and hypertension and and things like that, I I don't cure them. Uh, We we manage it. We live with it. We go on. We fight it. Um, And so sometimes it's more a matter of of, uh, you know we do what we can with what the little we have, and we pray for the blessings on that from a from a medical standpoint. Not anticipating that we're going to be fixing their poverty. You know that that we we want to alleviate it. But but by far the bigger overwhelming benefit of going is, is, and, and everyone who's been with us on the teams over the years will come back and say, I got so much more out of it than mm-hmm. I, than I, I thought I was going to give something. And Beautiful. I came home with a much richer heart from the relationships that you met. You, you meet right. people that you never would have met before. You know, it's a little, you know, in a little village, someone invites you into their home and, and just offer you the, the food that you realize, wait, this is not a small gift. This is the, the, like the, the widow giving her two copper pennies, you know, they're they're offering us their food when I think they, they, they can't afford that. Right. So, uh,
1: so as uh, you're saying that, what I'm hearing is the beginning of the book because you're starting to have all of these amazing experiences um, in the noise and in the silence, which is the name of the, the book. Um, so those stories all started kind of bubbling around. So, right. so walk me through that kind um, of logic. As,
4: you know, I've always enjoyed writing. Okay. Just did personally, I like to reflect on things like that and then write them down. But I always thought they were just sort of my personal journal, like a diary or something. And, and I love writing poetry and, and, and would try to take some of those feelings that I had and put them into, into poetry and write them down. And I kept those. But I kept in a, in sort of a private sense. Mm-hmm. And but but several years ago, I went to a uh, a discernment of gifts workshop over at St. Thomas Aquinas, and worked through that that weekend. And and the gift of writing is what came up. On I was thinking, oh, it's something to do with healing or you know counseling, mission counseling, <laughs> something of that sort. But no, it was it was writing. I said, well, okay, but you know that's that's a to me a very private thing. You know, it was. What right. I do for myself, uh, and, and he said, but then the Holy Spirit kept nudging. said, no, the gifts I give you are for the whole church, <laughs> or you know, for someone else needs to read this. <laughs> no. uh, you don't know who it is, and you don't need to know who it is. But right. but someone somewhere, you know, it just nudged me to be, to get out of myself and put it out there more public, which is very hard decision for me. I'm I'm very private, very introverted. Uh, I'll tell the stories if someone asks me, but I'm not going to just jump up and say, "Hey, give me a microphone." <laughs>
1: right.
4: Um, but and uh, but the stories mean something. Every time I've had the chance to share it with someone, either personally or you know, on a lot several men's retreats or, or groups at, at our churches, uh, you know, where I've had the chance to share one or two of these stories, it, I can see the effect of that on other people and, yes. and and how it moves them, and and that encourages me to. Put it out there. Mm-hmm. Don't don't worry about quote what people are going to think about me. That's that's not the purpose. The purpose is will it inspire somebody else to open their own eyes, open their ears, to listen a little bit better to the Holy Spirit, to know that they're called to mission, no matter where they are. You know, and 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 some of the people, uh, you know, think well, I can't go on a mission because I don't speak Spanish, or I can't go on a mission because I can't travel, or you know, whatever. But they, the other huge lesson I've learned is that our mission isn't necessarily just going off to Guatemala or Honduras or or Jamaica or someplace foreign all that that's part of it to me those have always uh, now felt much more like a working retreat the real mission is right here where I I am Uh, and that's not just at my office either although it certainly includes that my my primary mission is I'm a, a husband I'm a father. I'm a yeah. grandfather now, yes. six grandkids, you know, and that's, uh, I'm, a, I'm a member of my parish family. I'm a, a mm-hmm. citizen of our community, you know, but that's, you know, really more my mission and, and these trips to foreign places and, and, you know, although they they certainly open my eyes and my heart more to, to listen better and to hear little voices that I, I, I just don't take the time or energy or, Right. effort to hear, hear, I'm getting a little
1: better. <laughs> so it's you've been increasing that docility to the Spirit yeah, right. where we listen. And, and my brothers and sisters, if you're listening today, perhaps that's a little nudge for you to be right. more docile to listening to the Holy Spirit in your life. So right. we encourage you. Yeah, yeah.
4: That's, that's really, I think, when I started looking at the little stories I had written over the years and tried to put them together into a, a book form, Organizing them in a way where it kind of made sense, a a theme of sorts. Uh, That was one of the big ones: is that we're all supposed to be listening more, and and he does talk to us. And 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 you may not think, uh, you know, that the Holy Spirit is talking to you, but he he's trying. He really wants to talk to you. Uh, Mm -hmm. We we don't always have the. The kinds of experiences like St. Paul getting knocked off our horse, and you know, it, it's not always the no, the, the burning right. bush of Moses. You know, those those things were very real. Mm-hmm. They they were ordinary guys too that God called to very special missions. But uh each one of us has a calling and a vocation that. Uh, yeah, but but part of that is learning how to listen to what what do I need to do right here, right now, and, and I think that's a. A tremendous uh, reason why I said, "Okay, I, I'm supposed to write this. I'm supposed right. to put it out there, and and even if it is partly bearing my soul a little bit, that's okay." And that yeah.
1: vulnerability. So yeah, that, I commend was, you on the vulnerability of it. It's a, a huge, tremendous, yeah. a huge
4: thing to get over. You know, I, I I I don't want the either the the burp the book or the purpose of the book to be anybody knowing anything about me. Yeah, <laughs> that it is. what does the Holy Spirit? say to you when you read this?
1: Well, you know, and having read some some of it, most of it, all of it, was you really get that sense that you are storytelling how, you know, given a situation, how the Holy Spirit or the Lord moved in your heart and mind and those of others around you too, which is really cool just to kind of, to peek in at that. It's really, really cool to, to be able to experience that.
4: Yeah. Some of the, some of the stories that, you know... You know, if you read it, uh, some of them are kind of straight, you know, I was doing, having this experience and he said this to me and Mm -hmm. I heard something kind of direct, like, like the very first story in the book about, can you hear me in the noise of of that chaos of working in one little mission? He made a point of of pointing out that the, the chaos that was surrounding me and the noise and the cacophony was in fact the Holy Spirit moving between people, you know, people in need, people trying to meet that need loving and comi- uh, communicating with each other. And he just, just hear it as, as me. It was like, like the mighty roaring wind of Pentecost. And it would just kind of struck me as, wow, this is, it's not just chaos. It, it really is. This is what the community doing, what we're supposed to be doing as the church, you know, and uh, listening and, and crying together, laughing together all at the same
1: time. Right. It sounds like a kind of a personal abandonment to his right. providence in that right point, just, right. just looking at it from a different perspective and welcoming in, knowing right. he's already there.
4: Right. And that, that, that one was, was a very direct phrase that, that has stuck with me now for almost tw- you know, 20 plus years. Um, but there have been other times where it was uh, having to listen in times where it was very difficult to hear. And and, and if you read the the little whole, there are several chapters about our one trip to Bolivia where things just did not go well, (laughs) logistically, nothing went well. And it was very trying spiritually and mentally and psychologically, because I would pray and pray and pray, you know, in my laying out my petitions, kind of praying and not hear any response. Mm. And, and and it took years of me going back to that and saying, what was I supposed to learn? What was I supposed to learn? What, why wasn't I hearing anything? Uh, and, and to finally learn over the years is sometimes you just need to trust and listen and, and let me be God. Mm. And, and you don't always have to have a sort of concrete answer. And, and, not, and you're not always going to hear words. Sometimes it's right. just, no, I am God, and that's enough.
1: On a a similar experience like that, um, the message I got was embrace, it it was embrace the uncomfortableness. Like you just have to embrace and lean into the disquietness. Right. Um, And that was what we were called to do, which I thought, no, Lord, you always want us to have peace. And it's like, well, you got to, you have to practice being disquieted. Right and then calming it right
4: it was, certainly it was not easy to accept that but it was a, i think one of the most powerful uh, parts of the book is just learning to accept that and, right. and, and be joyful in spite of the misery of the surrounding situation and i think we need to take that to heart now when you look at our global situation uh, you know whether it's uh, you know a bad trip to bolivia <laughs> or uh, or the pandemic or the Ukraine, you know, things are bad in in a lot of ways around our world at different times. And, and we're called upon to, in spite of that, know that he is our God. We are his people. That's all we need to know.
1: That's right. And, and that's, he has a plan for us. That's enough. That's beautiful. Well, I noticed that they did the, your editor separated into different sections. Okay. So I'm going to just go and we'll pick out from the first section, which is called, if today you hear his voice, which is very appropriate. Right. But the theology of tears. Let's talk yeah. about
4: that. Okay, um, that one. I, I, it's the the phrase came to me. I was reading the the Catholic Spirit. This is about five or six years ago. There was an article where the they were talking about uh, Pope Francis wrote a little encyclical letter on his theology of tears, and he talked about the the, the beauty of tears and their their their. Um, how they're a blessing to us. They they cleanse our souls. They express our, our deepest feelings sometimes, whether that's grief or joy. Yes. Or a mix of both. Right. <laughs> at times. Uh and and how, how they they're they're wonderful. And I read the, the little the scripture about the, the the sinful woman who came in when Jesus was dining with the Pharisees and she bent down and anointed his feet with her tears. And that that just sort of made it uh, uh, the fact that that makes that story made it into the gospel uh, made it powerful to me. How how sacred tears can be, Wow. you know, that they're holy water, mm-hmm. washing our our you know, our getting the the very depths of our soul out. Um, yeah. Have and, you and, heard
1: Have you heard of the charism of tears? Not, it's actually yeah, a charism as yeah. well. It's like yeah. if you're a person that was um, found it very difficult to 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 weep. That a person with charisma tears could be next to you and start weeping for you. Yes. The
4: the the story that I wrote about in the book. It's a very very short chapter, but um, I have found over the years that that tears to me when I when I have a, a, a thought or I'm trying to write something or I read something and it brings me to tears. This that phrase it brings me to tears and I actually feel them welling up and coming out. I I know this is. This is real. This mm. is, it, It's a little sort of a consolation of the Holy Spirit. This is an encouragement. It's a real, I'm, I'm trying to, to get through to you. And sometimes he speaks to me through Absolutely. that. I'm trying to get through to you. Make, make note of this.
1: Um, I've actually exactly had that same experience over time. Like I actually started a, or put together a mother's prayer group, and I was talking to the young woman who brought it to the area. And as I was talking, I started weeping, and thought, oh, I'm supposed to start one too. And it was through that right, exact right, right. kind of impression, like, why am I weeping? Oh, the Lord's trying to talk to me. Right, yeah, right.
4: Yeah. Um, in that one particular story, the other, the other way that, that the Holy Spirit has frequently spoken to me, and this is just kind of a personal thing, is that I'm, I'm a bit of a bird watcher, and I and I love, you know, sometimes you know, people will sometimes say, oh, if you see a cardinal in the snow, it it means someone's you know in heaven's trying to Say hello. Okay. You know, you know, just little things like that. But but for me personally, when I'm driving down the roads of Texas, I love to look and see birds, particularly the big red hawks. You know, the the beautiful yes. hawks that we see Likewise. around. And and every time I see them, when I'm driving from here to San Marcos to go home or Dallas or wherever, you know, I, I I run a count in my head, and
1: <laughs>
0: and,
4: and, and you know, sometimes that's just a hobby. But but there have been times when when it's more than that. Well, I'll be thinking or, or having a you know uh, something going through my head, and I'll think, and then I'll just quote coincidentally, mm-hmm. see a beautiful hawk come flying right across the front of my truck, and 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 there'll just be like Holy Spirit going, "Hello, <laughs> it's me," and and that that's real. Make note of that. Uh, Make note wow. of that. And and so sometimes that has happened um, in, in in powerful ways. And this this particular story that that's in the book, it was. I, I happened to be driving from here to Round Rock. The the Medical Mission Board was having a meeting, and I had to get there. So as I was driving there that Saturday morning, I was just sort of in my head daydreaming, you know, re- remembering an old story from my grandfather, who who took me out in the backyard one time when I was about eight or ten years old, and we were just shucking corn, you know, for for dinner that night. Um, we had to shuck a lot of corn with ten kids in the family and. Sure other cousins there too etc so we were shucking corn and he just stopped in the middle of that and picked up one of the ears of corn and just just held it in his hand he says just look at this this is a marvelous creation just look at the intricate design the way the the husk is here and, and the you know and the way the corn's lined up on the cob and it's just beautiful and it grows and you've, you've just got to see the hand of god at work here and it was just that little sentence or two that he said that stuck with me, you know, now for fifty plus years, and it yeah. still means something to me that be aware of what you know God has created and marvel at every little piece of creation. But you know, I was just thinking of that story, and I don't even know why I was thinking of that. But I was thinking, oh, should I write this story down? Does it, you know, just? put it out there. Maybe my grandkids would want to read it someday or something like that. And as I was thinking, is that worth writing? And just as I've, I had that question come in my heart, that the tears just started welling, oh. welling up in my eyes and I had almost slowed down just because I saw, I can't see to drive. Oh my. And I said, well, okay, that could just be my emotions. That could just be nostalgia. Just, you know, automatically start questioning. Is this real or right. not? And you know, that kind of question always pops in. And sure. You have to fight it. Uh, or discern it. Maybe it is just emotions sometimes. But but that particular moment, I said, "Well, is it just emotions? Is this just me crying because I miss my granddad?" And then, boom! You know, five seconds later, there's this beautiful red hawk sitting right there on on the on a, on a tree as I drove by, and says, "Oh, wow!" And it's like it's a confirmation. Mm-hmm. I said, "Oh, but that could still just be coincidence." <laughs>
1: You're just hard headed. Yeah, there. I'm just hard headed. That's just coincidence. <laughs>
4: But not two seconds later, there's another hawk. No! Another one said, wow. they're going, Do you get it or not? Right, right. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. You know, so that was like, wham, 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 I'm trying to tell you something, Steve. Listen, you know, okay, right. I'll I'll write this down when I go home. So I I said, right. Okay, this has got to get in the book. Just not so much for the story of grandpa, although I think that's a powerful little it statement. Is. We we need to be willing and ready and open to witness. Wonder. Little things yeah. to our grandkids when we're doing stuff with them. Beautiful. They are paying attention. They notice. And the right. fact that I still remember this many years later, what he said at that back porch, you know, mm-hmm. I said, okay, what are my grandkids seeing of me? What do they hear me say? Yeah. Um,
1: well, with that one, uh, what really stands out to me in the lesson of listening was both to the tears and to signs and wonders around you in creation, which is really beautiful. Right. So those are two ways that, the Lord speaks to you and also to me. But right. I've never, never taken the hawks because, like, I saw an owl the other day. I'm like, man, I oh. wonder what that meant because I never see owls <laughs> right. in the All broad right. daylight, They're, right? Yeah,
4: right. They're much harder. Yeah. They're much bigger blessing in my blessing scale. <laughs> really?
1: Okay. Well, we'll have to talk off the of air on that one. Right. But I want to kind of move on because right. we're going to run out of time and there's, you. you know, more to talk about. The next one was in Section 2. It was called Harden Not Your Heart. And perseverance in the day-to-day, who doesn't need a little bit of inspiration of perseverance in the right. day-to-day?
4: Yeah. And I think that the bigger lesson from that one was that uh, our, our mundane day-to-day life is is, a, is our mission. That's where we're supposed to be. That's what we're supposed to be doing, whatever it is, whether we're parenting, grandparenting, or working in a in a medical field off in some foreign country. um, uh, He's, he's calling us to, to pay attention. What's the me, what's the need right in front of me right here, right now? And, and, and am I willing to do that and do it with his help as best I can? Um, there, there was one year I, I wrote it about was because this one particular year I was not going to go with the team from the Austin Diocese group. They were going to a different town in Guatemala. And there, were, there were multiple reasons why, I, okay, I, I discerned I'm not going to go on this particular trip. I stayed home and I and I had some issues with my own heart about okay, was that the right decision or you know, I'm I'm gonna stay here and work and I've got other things I'm supposed to be doing now, and is that okay? And and the answer was, you're where you're supposed to be. Mm. Just do it and do it well right now. And that's always, you know, the the best way to look at our mission. I think it was um Father Albert Haas from the, the up in uh the retreat center in, in uh Cedar Break. Cedar Break, yeah. Mm-hmm. He uh gave a, a beautiful talk about that about just uh, knowing that you know where you are right now just look at the moment where what is the unmet need I'm supposed to be addressing right here right now and you respond you know listen first of all what is that and then listen for a direction on how do I respond what's what do I need to do about that unmet need right in front of me and there's always something there but the more we can do that throughout our mundane days it, it gives meaning and purpose and
1: and yeah. Like Mother Teresa says, it's in the ordinary, right. you know, right. and that is so true. And I think that, you know, in our hearts, we want to do something spectacular for God. Right. And he says, "Well, I appreciate that, right. you know, look at your day to day again, right. whether your mission is raising small children, whether your mission is your adult children or in your um, ministry as a physician or mine as a fertility care practitioner those are all the little ways. None of that's by accident. Right. It's God is so in the middle right. of all those beautiful details. Right.
4: He's He's always there and He's always calling us. Um, and that that theme I think starts to run through several of the other stories. This, I, I didn't always see it at the beginning, but now that I go back and look at it, I say, yeah, that that kind of that point's made several times in different different ways in the stories.
1: Mm. Well, this section three. Um, had a, a story in it that I wanted to kind of wrap up the show. I'm going to linger on her just a little bit because I want to encourage the listeners about becoming a saint, you yeah. know, to be, you know, I like to say maybe being holy and the striving for holiness, which we're all called to strive for holiness. But I love it that you have encountered a person who just really embodied that and who is not known as a saint, um, in the eyes of the church, and so if you could take a second and just kind of explain for our listeners too what makes a real saint in the church, and the, what makes a saint in general.
4: Right. Well, I think you know the way what we as Catholics call the capital S saints uh, are the ones who've gone through the canonization process, and that's that's a very rigorous process where the church looks at, at people's lives and then whether or not they've had. Uh, some sort of miraculous impact on on other people, either during or after,
1: both, or, yeah, yeah, <laughs> their
4: their lives, yeah,
1: yeah,
4: where those things have been documented well enough that the church says yes, we're going to give our stamp of approval on on Saint Peter or Saint yes. Francis or Mother Teresa, Teresa. Mm-hmm. you know, or, or whoever. That yes, people have reported enough valid, documentable, yeah, still pulling
1: for Fulton Sheen and blessed for mm. Giorgio for
4: I'll put in a couple of two bits for uh, Walter Shizik.
1: Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, love him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, you know, as a matter of fact, right. as you're saying that, um, as I've read the book it, and just as we're talking now, um, I felt it was very reminiscent of his book, right. like because of his ponderings, like what he was going through and then, right. and that, but a uh, very similar writing style. I just yeah. wanted you to know. So yeah.
4: Um, well, thank you. That's, yeah. that. that's an honor. But anyway, uh, I wrote a whole chapter mentioning different people that I, you know, the the saints I have come to know through through my life, mainly because I, I, I started with recognize my, my older brother, David, um, was in the air force and he was stationed in Saudi. And, And during one of his vacation trips there, he was blessed to go to India and just, and they went to Calcutta, India for their vacation. This is the kind of family they were. Yeah. And, uh, they went into one of Mother Teresa's uh, hospitals there, and she just happened to be there at the time. And so they said, "Sure, she'd love to meet you." So <laughs> they they got to go in and have about a twenty minute visit with her in her office there at her hospital. And uh, you know, I saw there was always this sort of a jealousy. Oh gosh, they got to meet a quote real saint. And, and I, that that thought, they said, "Wait a minute, Steve, a how, living saint." A live, yeah. yeah, but how many saints have I got? To actually meet that I, okay, go ahead, Make start making a list. Now, so I started making a list of these people, but the one that you're mentioning is Sister Emila. She, she's one of those. She's still a work in progress. I'll, <laughs> she's still in the church militant. Yes. We, we, we haven't yet made it to the church triumphant, but uh, we're on our way. Uh, but anyway, Sister Emila was just a jewel. We met her in, in Jamaica. Um, she is a Polish nun, um, a few years older than we are, but but she her birthday and Michelle's birthday are actually the same day, so they mm-hmm. they they're, they're twins in a sense. Uh, but she grew up in Poland, became a nun at a very early age, um, and her initial she's been in the missionary field her whole life. Uh, she she started out in Libya, went over to Libya and learned Arabic, and then after several years there, she was transferred to Bolivia, uh, so she learned Spanish in Bolivia. Was there for about twenty plus years and and went from uh, a, a little orphanage she was assigned to and took it from just just ruins and built it up into a, a viable uh, effective um, orphanage for these kids and then I would say probably going on 20 years ago now she was transferred to Jamaica um, and working with a small parish there and we got to meet her there uh, a friend of mine uh, introduced me to this little clinic in, in this little bitty town, the name of the town, it's Magity, uh, but, <laughs> but it's the Holy Spirit parish. And it's just a delightful little parish, um, that has an up and running medical clinic that, that some people had, had financed and put together for, for them. And all the locals can come in and get free medical care. There different doctors from around the world will come and volunteer time and just, uh, and I've, so I've had the privilege of going there now six times and, wow. and spend a week and just be the doctor. She's still there. She's still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the day that Mother Teresa was canonized, uh, that was several years ago, and I forget exactly what date that was, but we happened to be in Jamaica, and it was the date of uh, Sister Emela's 50th uh, jubilee as a nun, and on the exact same day. And so we had one mass in the morning where it was celebrating Sister Emela in the local parish, and then... That afternoon, after her celebration, we traveled ten miles down the road to another nun's uh, little enclave where they they were all uh, missionaries of charity. So they were having a special mass that afternoon for Mother Teresa. <laughs> so we got <laughs> both in the same day, and it was just glorious. But the Sister Emilia is just a firecracker of, of uh, energy. She she built very much like Mother Teresa, maybe five feet tall, wow. and just wiry and strong, strong willed but humble, um, strong, you know, she won't take, um, i try how to say this graciously. She doesn't take anything off anybody, you know. It's, she, she'll stand yes. her ground and be strong, Good. but she's humble and a servant. So if the patients come in and they have some off-the-wall you know questions, she'll, she'll put them straight, you know, she'll straighten them out and give them the right nursing kind of advice mm-hmm. that they really need to hear mm-hmm. uh, and not take nonsense, but she will humbly say, okay, now let me do what I can to help you. And she'll okay. always bend over backwards to help people. And But just to look at 50 years of a life lived like that in, in most poverty stricken places, her whole life in different ways, learning whatever language she was, you know, she's still struggling to learn English. Uh, oh, you know, wow. so so when we have a conversation with her, she's in one sentence, jumping from Polish to Spanish to English, God and and she may her. throw in a little Arabic if you're not careful. But you just have to kind of <laughs> okay. Well, let's just let's just talk and maybe Spanish is better. Let's <laughs> just stick to Spanish, and yeah. we, we can do that. But she was just a lovely lady, and we can't wait to get back to Jamaica mm-hmm. when when we can to, to get, see see them again. again. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the reason again I, that I chose this story is that there are always saints among us, you mm-hmm. know. To we say that, but let's call them holy people, Right? Uh, maybe saint after, again, their church right. triumphant. Um, but we're all called to that. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think that that's kind of um, one of the reasons you wrote this book, too, is yeah. to try and encourage people, right. uh, teach people how to listen. Um, you did by trial and error, you know, and then to share your wisdom. That I'm sure grandkids are going to like just right. really, really love that. that.
4: That's my prayer. But I think that that's, again to wrap up that part of it. The reason for writing the whole book is to encourage people to, to know you are called to holiness. You are called, you can, in fact, hear God speak to you. All you have to do is just open your ear and listen. Just ask him. And he will, he will, he will honor that. Right. Uh, sometime, it'll come in different ways. You won't. I mean, we can't tell him how to talk to us. Yeah. Can uh, we spend
1: five? Not five minutes. Can we spend two minutes on um, what we know that the church teaches us on ways that the Holy Spirit and the Lord does speak to us?
4: Well, I think one of the. the most obvious ways is in scripture. You know, we know this is the church has said, this is my word and it is a living document and I'm in it. It's, it's not just words on a paper. It's, it's I'm, this is me. This is my story.
1: Yes. Living. Um, mm-hmm.
4: uh, so this scripture word made right. flesh, right. Um, in, in prayer, I think I make the point several times in the book that it's, it's, it's got to be a, a dialogue. You know, it's not just us pouring out our our petitions. although mm-hmm. that's a huge part of what prayer is. We we need to learn to practice more common, um, just just being quiet and listening. It's true, listening to the Holy Spirit.
1: And and one of the things we said a little bit earlier in the show, and and for me personally, a lot of times I get images. So say I'm I'm praying a rosary, and all of a sudden, an image of a person's face comes into mind, like. Um, for the first time and I never really uh, my brother-in-law's mm. face came into mind so I thought right. okay I'm supposed to pray for him All right so the in images and in nature
4: oh wow yeah you
1: know it's what you're saying too and um part of my conversion story was as a young child um coming from atheist parents or parent I really was asking god are you real god are you real and 11 years old I heard a voice in my head clearly at the time say, "God is real and He loves you very much." Could you add any more to different ways the Lord may speak to us?
4: Oh, wow!
1: Really, in people,
4: in in lots, I I can't tell you how many times I've heard Him speaking to me in the voice of someone else, particularly Michelle. You know, Mm -hmm. when when she will say, she'll you know either call me on something where i may be offline and mm-hmm. and, and point that out lovingly um there, there was one time we were up on the top of a mountain and i was asked to run off and go do a house call in the middle of the chaos of that afternoon and and i was like i don't have time to do that i'm that was i was kind of annoyed that, mm-hmm. that, that i was asked to do mm-hmm. it and she just pointed it out said maybe this is the one guy we were up here to see go mm-hmm. see him and i Oh, okay. (laughs) But I took that as just do it. And and she was right. And it was powerful. Um, So certainly other people are are sometimes given a word. And that's that's really part of why I would even dare write this book is that, well, maybe some of these words are meant to speak to somebody out there.
1: And we're so glad you did invite it. And if you would like, we have one free copy available at the studio. So um, the first caller will be able to ha- pick one up here at the Student Center. Well, okay. Steve, thank you so much for joining us and telling it's, us about your experience.
4: It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so oh, much yeah. for inviting me.
1: Until next time, Amen. I'm Pam Marvin. Oh.